if you are truly under the leadership of Christ, you are following in a close, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, I know that the overflow of that is love and adoration for me. And then I have no problem submitting to your leadership. And that's exactly what this is saying, is that when that happens, I get to fall under your leadership as the man of my home who is under the leadership of Christ. You're listening to the Dream Marriage Podcast with Brian and Allison Dalkey. Most married people probably wouldn't say their marriage is a dream. Many would even say it's a nightmare. But with the right priorities and a unified vision, you and your spouse truly can have the dream marriage. Well, welcome back to the Dream Marriage Podcast. I'm Allison and I'm here with my awesome husband, Brian, and we're going to spend some time today talking about covenant and what covenant is in the context of marriage and historically what it's been and what it means for your marriage today. And maybe we'll be able to give you a different perspective, something that maybe you haven't thought about before. So babe, what is covenant when we talk about, you know, we that may be a word people are used to hearing in church or from the Bible, there's a lot of covenant making in the Old Testament, but right. what is covenant in the context of marriage? So the definition of covenant, I mean, there's lots of different definitions. The one that I think just kind of outlines it the best, it's an agreement or a pledge between two or more people, obviously only two in marriage, but it's often sealed in blood mm-hmm. historically. And one way they did that was what they called the passing through of flesh. Mm -hmm. And so this was a way that, especially Old Testament, this was how they sealed a covenant. So what they would do, there were multiple ways you could do it, but the, the most profound were probably when they would sacrifice an animal split it into two pieces, Mm -hmm. and then the two people making a covenant would walk through that. And that was where we got blood oath like that is from that. And so it's a, it's a way that they signified how serious their bond or their commitment to this covenant was because they sacrificed a life to create that covenant. And so I think in marriage, um, you know, we, we've seen a lot, especially in, if you read or watch any historical fiction or documentaries or anything like that, the, the act of consummating a marriage historically was more important than the, the piece ceremony. of ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. Than the ceremony or the, the legal document. And you weren't married until it was consummated. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and in the act of consummation and the act of sex, you are two becoming one mm-hmm. and you're passing through a flesh when a man enters his wife, you know, there's no other way to say it. And so that was the, the sealing bond of the covenant. And so I think covenant and the contract of marriage over time have gotten confused. Yeah. So help me understand, or, or maybe let's just talk about what a lot of people understand marriage to be and the contract that it is. Right. And why that's taken us away from covenant. Right. So when we look at a contract, let, well, let's talk about the difference between a contract and a covenant to yeah. begin with. So covenant, covenant is just what Brian explained, right? It's this mutual symbiotic relationship that is you know, selfless. Yes. And un, unending. Right. A contract is conditional. Right. So a contract, so you think about if I needed to 
get my roof fixed, right? Right. I'm going to write a contract with the roofer. Right. And he's going to give me a price, and it's going to be if I pay you this much money, you're going to do this. Yeah, it's an if this. Then. Then what? Right. Right. So what has happened, I think, to marriage often in the way that we view marriage is we don't view marriage as, and I shouldn't say we, I'm not trying to say everybody, but I would say in general, most people don't view marriage as covenant in terms of this unconditional sacrificial. We, we, we might say that at the altar and we want that to be true, but what tends to happen instead when we actually get in the weeds of our marriage is it becomes very contractual. Right. So it becomes very, well, if you treat me with love, well, then. In our, in our vows, we make a covenant. We do, in yes. In our vows, right? Like, till death do us part. Through sickness and health. Right. All those things. Yeah. And, and that is that is the words of a covenant. Right. Not the words of a contract. Right. You don't go to your roofer and say, hey, buddy, we're in this till death does us part. Right. No, we're in this it until- you break the contract or you get my roof finished, yeah. right? Like it is very, there are outlines. I'm not going to keep paying you unless there's shingles up there. But right, yeah. yeah. But I think that the words and the meaning behind that have become just ceremonial and they've mm-hmm. become just a thing that people do because they do it. And Alice and I, in, in all the couples that we've talked to, many of them have this contractual understanding of their marriage much more than they do this covenant understanding. Right. And and let me also say, we understand that there are absolutely biblical grounds for divorce. We're not going to sit here and tell oh, you yeah. guys, you know, once you get married, you're dying together or you're dying alone. You know, that's not, that's not what we're trying to say. There are absolutely biblical grounds for it. And also there are, there are even things that I think in current day, maybe aren't as outlined biblically, but, you know, there's abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. There are places where people are put in harm's way or put in danger. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of reasons for the protections that are outlined contractually and by the law. But we have often seen many people give up earlier than maybe we believe they should have because their mindset was this, that this isn't a covenant it's, it's just a contract. Right. And because it's a contract, they don't do it for me anymore. So instead of trying, I'm going to put that effort into walking away. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to, to point out the difference in what we believe marriage should be versus what a lot of people have the mindset that it's become. So I want to look at what God's word says about marriage and how that aligns with covenant relationship. And maybe then let's, and then we can kind of talk later about how, our society, and and even in the church, how we have drifted from that covenant relationship. Yeah. So the first place that we see uh, marriage talked about in the Bible is in Genesis 2, where God, after God creates man and woman, he, I'm, I'm just going to read this. Let's just read. So in Genesis 2, I'm going to start at verse 21. This is when God creates a helper companion for Adam. It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And this is the key verse Therefore, so anytime we see that word in the Bible, therefore, so that, that means 
Because of this, this is what this means. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So a lot of times in the church, we talk about this verse as being the leave and cleave verse. Because different, I think actually the King James Version, I'm reading from the New King James, the King James Version says that uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It's if you look that word up, it's a clinging, it's a sticking, it's a it's it's attachment. Yes, if you look at the word cleave later when it's when Jesus quotes it in Matthew, it actually means glued together. Right. Like it's we have become one. Yeah. So talk about what that looks like in our society. Do we do a good job of that in really sort of blessing those who are going to marry, to, to leave their father and mother, what's that practically look like? Well, that's where I think it gets, it gets kind of sticky, right? Because we, we live in a world where I think the average married age now is mid twenties. Um, it, you know, it's moved up. So people are spending more time with their father and mother, their siblings, their friend groups. Um, you know, we live in a world where People say their friends are the family they choose, so the word family gets thrown around in multiple contexts, right? Mm-hmm. So when it says they will leave their father and mother, leave their family, and cleave to their spouse, the historical significance to that is that you are you're not starting over. It's not like your family goes away. Right. You're not kicking them out of your life forever, but a lot of that love and energy that you have put into those relationships needs to now be shifted to your spouse, yeah. And it's, I remember when we got married, Alice and I were kind of the first couple out of our friends groups to yeah. get married. And I remember my buddy saying like, I feel like we're not friends anymore. Like you don't come out with us and you don't do this and you know, but, but I think that's what it's supposed to be. And we didn't get it perfect for sure. Right. But I, I do think it's supposed to be this, um, just this overflowing of attention and adoration put on your spouse because you are starting a new life together. Well, and you're you're sitting under this covenant now, right? right? Because there's nothing in that, in, in what I just read, that's conditional. No. No, there's nothing like- say if- They're not becoming one flesh if, if Adam is nice today. Right. No, they are one flesh. Right. That's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's, it's what we say in marriage vows, but it's real. Right. Right, lived well, out. And, and even later in- Ephesians 5, which we're going to get into in a later episode, but it even goes to so far as to say that regardless mm-hmm. of what they are or aren't, you are still together. And so, and now there's, there's obviously, we'll get into that. There's some boundaries on that, but, but it, it's not conditional. It is not a contract. God doesn't say, Hey, you guys need to sign here. And as long as you're checking all the boxes, Adam and Eve, you're checking all the boxes, then I'm going to let you guys stay together and have a family together. It's not that, Mm -hmm. not even close to that. So I think one thing that, or go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to look too at what Jesus says. So Jesus references this exact verse I just read. He, he quotes Genesis two, when he's talking about marriage, Jesus was, uh, he was in Judea and there were people coming to him and the Pharisees were coming to him and and they were testing him. And one of the things they said, so this is in Matthew 19, the Pharisees come to him, testing him. I'm reading 19.3. 
and say to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So they're trying to, to get him to say, they're trying, they're just pushing him, right? Oh, yeah. And he, trying to trick him. Yeah, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, that's back where we saw, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, that's that cleave, that glue word, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. This is what we say at the altar, right? right? This is what your your priest or your pastor said when you got married. Therefore, what God has brought together, let no man tear apart or however they've said it. Right. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying, yeah, it's fine if you can just divorce your wife for any reason or or are we getting a reiteration of what God said in the garden? Yeah, we're we're getting a reiteration and he takes it even a step farther. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of times we'll see, you know, some people will say, well, the Old Testament, you know, that doesn't really apply because of the new covenant and all of that. Well, what you'll find is most of the things like this that are outlined by Jesus when he's referencing what was said by God, he even takes it a step further sometimes. And so he added the let no man separate because we live, they lived and we live in a world where there's so much outside influence. So now it's not, you know, historically when he said, leave your father and mother. Well, now again, we have to remember this was at the creation of man. So your only community was your family, Mm -hmm. right? So he's saying, leave your father and mother. Now, you know, we're thousands of years later where Jesus is saying, not only are they supposed to leave their father and mother, what they, what they have now in this new covenant we can let no man separate, insinuating influence from society, influence yeah. from their peers. So what's interesting is as if you continue to read this verse, then the Pharisees say to Jesus, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, so Jesus responds, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So he goes back, he's going back to the garden. From the beginning, it wasn't supposed to be that way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits commits adultery. So I think, like you said, Jesus is one upping them saying, well, that was before because right. you had hard hearts. You had not yet been transformed. And we'll go on to see that after Christ's death and resurrection, we have now been given new hearts and the whole and the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? right? So we are new creation in Christ because of what he did on the cross. Therefore, we are different and changed. Right. That means we can um, live up to and into this covenant relationship that God created from the beginning, not because of who we are, because we're still imperfect beings, but because of Christ in us. Right. Well, and the hardening of hearts or because their hearts were hardened, that also meant they were away from God. God. Mm-hmm. And even in the New Testament, like Paul says in First Corinthians 7, that if you are married to an unbeliever or someone that's not a Christian— and they want to leave the marriage, the believer should let them go. So insinuating that they are not under the same They're covenant not bound to the, yeah. that you are when you're under a Christian covenant. And so, and, and let me expound on that current day. So 
Allison said it at the beginning, we, we do believe that covenant can exist between people that are not believers, or maybe they believe something different because it's, it's that heart decision Mm -hmm. that you are in this for life through good and bad. You know, you, you are together for a reason and it will be better to stick it out through the hard times and to self-sacrifice for the other than it would be just to separate and divorce. Mm -hmm. So, so hear us, don't, you know, don't hear what we're not saying, right? Like we are referencing the, the Christian aspect, but don't also hear that if you're not Christians, well, you're just going to divorce because I think we've all known people oh, yeah. that had very long, you know, what we would call fruitful, good marriages that maybe weren't believers, mm-hmm. but we're, we're talking about the covenant as we know it biblically. Mm-hmm. So one thing I was going to say, just kind of to add to that. And, and like Jesus said, he, he added to it. Mm-hmm. Like we said, but I think so much of it is a mindset, yeah. right? Like we come into marriage and, and Alice and I, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our story here in a second, but Alice and I came into marriage saying divorce isn't an option for us. Yeah. And clearly because of the biblical things that we've outlined that divorce is an option for, we probably knew in the back of our mind, you know, if, if Allison starts you know, just beating me every day, beating me up every day. Well, then I, you know, I might have some reason for divorce, but mm-hmm. we're not assuming any of that negative on each other in that moment, right? One thing that we have seen that starts a marriage off on the wrong path is I, I had a conversation one time with a gentleman and he, they were just married and he wanted some advice on their, their finances. And so we were talking and he said, well, I, I think we're going to keep our money separate, because in case we ever get divorced, mm-hmm. it'll make it'll make the separation, you know, the severing of yeah. that easier. And I just said, hang on, buddy, we, we really need to talk about this. And so just having that mindset, I mean, brand new married. They've been married for a couple of weeks. He mm-hmm. loves his wife. They just got back from their beautiful honeymoon and all of that. So this guy is at the peak, yeah. right, of their relationship. New love. And yeah. And he's still considering in the back of his mind, just in case this roofer doesn't do what he says he's going to do, I can sever this contract, right? right? And so, but that's a mindset. And so once we had the conversation that if, if there's ever a moment in your marriage where you're feeling like it's, it's going down the wrong path, which Allison and I have had, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. If in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, it's a good thing that we kept our finances separate so we can just divorce each other. Here we go. And it's easier to do than that's not okay. Yeah. Like that's not going to cause you to work through that hard time. As a woman too, when I hear that, I I can only imagine how I would have felt if that was our, if that's the way that we had looked at our marriage. Let's keep our finance. Like if I had known that you were thinking that in the back of your mind, like let's keep our finances separate just in case. So it'll be easier. Right. That feels, that feels like betrayal to me. You know, it feels gut-wrenching. It's it's almost like, well, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm leaving the door open for it to in case it does. Right. There's there's a lack of safety there. Yeah. And f- for us to work in a covenant relationship, I need to feel safe with you. Right. And when the door is wide open, I don't. Yeah. You know, there's that lack of protection and safety. So instead, what what I need as a woman is I need someone to come in and say to me, I love you regardless yeah. of what you do or what you say or how you act or, and, and here too, and we'll talk about this. I think we should address it at the end, but I have to say it now too, is that that's not an excuse 
for your behavior. If we're truly going to be in covenant, there has to be accountability. Right. I have to be able to come to you and say, when you do this or when you say this, I feel this way. Yeah. I have to know that I can still have a conversation with you. I'm not just letting you blindly lead my life without any accountability. I have to know that you're under the head of Christ first and that as a sinful human, an imperfect human, you're willing to be accountable for your actions. And this is the other side of it. I'm willing to forgive your right. misactions. Yeah. Well, and it's it's that selfless mindset of, I mean, because one thing we talk about is, is covenant. When you enter into covenant, your mindset, covenant, excuse me, your mindset has to be, I'm doing this for the betterment of the other person, mm. not for myself, right? So it, it, it's the most selfless act you mm-hmm. can be in, which in and of itself, by itself, kind of that sounds arrogant, but let me unpack it. So when when you go into a covenant, when we go into our marriage, I have to think, I want to do everything I can for your good, right? Mm-hmm. I want to bring the best out in you. I want to speak life over you. I want you to become the person maybe you don't even know you're capable of because of the encouragement and the the positive light that I'm going to shine on you in all things. Mm-hmm. And then in return, you'll do the same yeah. because like you said, it's a symbiotic relationship, but so often that's backwards, right? Like we go into marriage because, oh, well, I mean, movies, he completes me. Yeah. No, it's, it's not that you're completing each other, which is weird because you're coming, you're becoming one, but it's, you're entering into that covenant saying, I want the best for you. Yeah. And I'm going to lay my life down for you. Mm-hmm. And with that mindset, you get something that is so incredible and so pure and so holy that it's more than you ever could have wanted. But it's this mindset of selflessness that leads you into that yeah. mutual covenant that's incredible for both people. So I want to talk a little bit about Ephesians Ephesians 5. We're going to get there, but then I'm just going to, I want to also end on how if people are thinking right now, well, gosh, I don't know that I've ever looked at my marriage that way. You know, what are the, how can I start to sort of shift my mindset? So we'll get there, but let's first talk about Ephesians 5. And this is probably, I think, when we talk about marriage, this is the marriage verse. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, possibly talking to several churches. We kind of think this was like a a pamphlet for a lot of the churches um, after Christ's death. But one of the things that he says about marriage in um, Ephesians 5, we'll start with 22. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, here's the key, as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, okay, so here's that transition word. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, this all sits under this key verse. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So here we have another transitional word in verse 18. Husbands, 
or that's 28, sorry. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So this is so vital to understand. This verse gets taken out of context. All the time. All the time that that we are just supposed to be submissive wives and you know, do whatever our husbands tell us. That That's not what this verse says at all. Right. This verse is about, yes, me coming under the leadership of my husband, but it's me coming under the leadership of a man who is willing to lay his life down for me and to help me become blameless and sanctify me and glorify me just as Christ did for the church. Right. Well, and this picture, you know, let's let's translate this in a little more into modern day. This verse is saying that the the symbolism of my wife being under my leadership does not mean like she said, it does not mean that she just does whatever I say and she just goes wherever I tell her to and she does all, no, it's it's a mutual partnership. It's a mutual relationship. Well, and it's a triune relationship, right? right? Like it's not just me and you, right? It's me, you and Christ. Right. Well, and this is a good point or a good place to point out. I think too, we, when we were talking earlier about how covenant, anyone can be in covenant with their spouse, regardless of your religious beliefs, regardless of your understanding of it. The thing about our understanding of our, our Christian covenant and how Christ is at the center of it. The thing that we, you know, as Christians that we have an advantage, let's say in covenant is that we have this middle, this, this perfect place to come back to, right? Like we are both imperfect people mm-hmm. and we are both on each side of this, you know, this triad and God's in the middle of it at the top. And we both have this center that we can come back to when we are off. Right. And that's our, that's our measuring stick that we hold each other accountable to as well. Mm-hmm. And so me being under Christ's leadership, as long as that's going well, and as long as I'm submitting myself to the Lord and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing good and I'm growing the kingdom and I'm, you know, praying for you and over our kids and leading our family spiritually, then yes, things are going pretty well. Mm -hmm. Now, when I slack in that or when I'm not in God's word or when I'm not doing what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, all of it kind of starts to get messed up. And Allison sometimes has to pull me in and say, Hey, you know, what's going on? Like, I feel like you're, you're maybe over here a little bit or over here a little bit, you know, what can we do? How can I be praying for you? Whatever. So it's, it's very much like she said, a symbiotic relationship as opposed to this picture gets misportrayed so often that Mm -hmm. it's, well, if you're a wife, you know, under biblical covenant, you just got to do whatever your husband says. No, your husband has to be under the leadership and authority of the Lord, you know, doing what he's supposed to be doing. And then it all works. But, well, but if that's not there, like I almost feel like that verse, that second part where the husband has to submit to the Lord. If Paul had led with that. People wouldn't have their panties in such a wad about right, this. Like, right, Yeah. But also historically, like the way they wrote it, in the Greek, it had just as much meaning being in the second part as it did in the first part. So, but we don't read it that way, right? Like you read, you know, you just read what you want to read or get out of it what you want to, and then you move on. And so that's why it's mistranslated so often or misused. Right. But, but yes, and under what he is saying is this is a, a larger picture of how it's supposed to work, but it, it doesn't mean any one person is lesser than. So let me, I, you know, really, I would say that 
the men have the harder job here. That, yes, because here's what's great about this for me as a woman. If you are truly under the leadership of Christ, you are following in a close, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, I know that the overflow of that is love and adoration for me, and then I have no problem submitting to your leadership. And that's exactly what this is saying, is that when that happens, I get to fall under your leadership as the man of my home who is under the leadership of Christ. Right. Your job is harder because you have to literally say, I, I'm willing to lay down everything and self-sacrifice for this woman and for this marriage and for this covenant because that's what Christ did for the church. Right. Yeah. So it's a huge challenge. How would you say, like, do you see this in men? Like, can you even think of an example of a godly man that you would say, I, I see the way that he loves and serves his wife? Or maybe the question is, like, what do we see instead in marriage in America today? Well, yes, to your question. I do know some examples. No, it's okay. I do know some examples of men that lay their life down daily for their spouse because they're being led by the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, on the flip side of that though, know examples where that might be the goal, but it falls short. Mm -hmm. And, And you can often tell, like it's, it's something that we've all been around those couples that just their presence kind of wows us, right? Like they're just, the way they look at each other, the way that they finish each, finish each other's sentences, the way that they're just, it just works. Mm-hmm. And you know there's something bigger there than just, well, they just found their it person, right? Like right. They, they are just one of the lucky they ones. They must be soulmates. Right, yeah. And it, it takes work and it takes, you know, effort to get to that place. And then we also know and and have seen many couples that, want to portray that, but it's very, very different. And so many times, maybe every time when we sit with them and talk through why their marriage is where it is, it's so oftentimes because the husband isn't being led Mm -hmm. or he's not allowing himself to be under the authority of Christ. And in situations where, you know, we've had people come to our retreats and and do strategy sessions that, that weren't Christians. Yeah. And oftentimes that mindset of laying down your life for your spouse and not just in the literal sense, not, you know, pushing them out of the way of a city bus, you know, as it smacks you, right? but just waking up every day with the mindset of what can I do today to serve her? Mm-hmm. When you don't have that mindset, Christian or not, it, it can't get to the place that we know it, it can be. Mm-hmm. And that beautiful place where covenant is, is thriving and working and, and it just, I don't want to say perfect because we know there's no perfect marriage, right? Mm -hmm. But it's as good as it can possibly be Mm -hmm. and better than you ever expected. But that truly starts with laying down your own life. And and that's a mindset. Yeah. I was just thinking too, as you were saying all of that, as we talked about in our very beginning episodes, why it's so vital for couples to dream together, as you're moving forward in vision and purpose in your marriage, this piece of it is so vital. Right. We can't go after something. We can't do the things that God has truly called us to do without the filling up and the affirmation and the unconditional love from our spouses. Right. It's that's just a piece, it's a vital piece of everything. It's really the foundation 
of everything we do and the legacy we leave, it starts with how do I actually view my marriage? Right. Is it a contract or is it a covenant? Yeah. And, and when it's a covenant or when you aren't constantly looking over your shoulder, wondering if they're going to throw the divorce word around mm-hmm. or second guessing what they're thinking, mm-hmm. where you can't focus as much on what you're trying to do in your marriage, it's a lot harder to do that. Yeah. Right. And so I, I know that we've had some recent experience in this with some conversations we've had where people have said, well, I just want to give up. Like, I'm just, I'm just kind of done. Yeah. And although we can totally sympathize with that, right? we've had times in our marriage where we were done. Yeah. There's a difference in being done and wanting out. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to, I know where we've been a few times, which is I'm done with it being like it's been. Something has to change. So what are we going to change to make it different? Mm -hmm. And that's where when you're in covenant and divorce outside of certain circumstances is not an option, You'll look at, I'm done, I'm leaving, as mm-hmm. opposed to, I'm done, how can we move toward change? Right. And it has to be together. Yeah. We, Allison and I agree that although a lot of times it can start with one spouse moving that direction, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the future, mm-hmm. but oftentimes it it has to end up being both of you. And that can start with a with one spouse, but it it's a shift in your marriage, not a shift in thinking, well, I'm just out. Right. And, and so it's... I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's a team move as opposed to a solo move mm-hmm. because a solo move is what gets one person presenting the other with papers from their attorney, right? Right. So I, as we kind of close out this this episode, I did not prep you for this, but I'm just curious as we've been having this conversation, what would you say to a couple like that are listening to this and maybe have never thought about this one time and they're thinking wow, I really have looked at my marriage like a contract. Like if I'm honest with myself, it kind of always has been, if you do this, then I'll do this. Right. What would you say to someone listening if that's really what they've, how they've kind of put their foundation in, I, you know, that, that conditional? Right. How do you begin to make change? I think covenant is an unconditional promise. Right. Right. And if there is an understanding in your marriage that there are conditions, Mm. you know, if. Well, and those could be unspoken understand, right? Like. Well, yeah. Even things that you understand. Right. You know, we, we heard a lady recently say she, she burned dinner and she said, well, this is just par for the course. This is one more reason that he doesn't want to be in this forever or what she alluded to something like that. So she has this this woman has this own checklist mm-hmm. of reasons and shortcomings that she has that are giving him cause for pulling the contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's not living up to her contractual obligations. So oftentimes it can be just one person and their own checklist of failure, which I think is just prevalent in our society in a lot of ways. But I think if somebody has always looked, if a couple has always looked at their marriage as a contract and it's conditional, if this, then what? Mm-hmm. I think that the best thing they could do, and it could be either led by one or both, but is for them to sit down and just look at each other and say, hey, I'm, I'm in this forever, and I am in this for you. Regardless of, of the things that life is going to throw at us, I know that we're better attacking this together mm-hmm. than we would ever be apart. Yeah. And I think by just, and obviously as the husband, 
I would like for men to lead into this conversation with their wife. Yeah. But sometimes it does take either spouse leading into it. But just that understanding and just speaking it out loud, because the other thing that we know is so many things, or the other thing we've seen is so many times people think, well, he knows I love him or she knows I love her. You know, yeah, I don't say it all the time, but they know, no, you need to say it. This Mm -hmm. thing, this needs to be spoken. This covenant needs to be spoken. And you need to say that I'm tired of living under a contract and I want us to make this shift together in the covenant that mm-hmm. I will love you every day unconditionally. I'll, I'll attempt, because we're all flawed humans, right? But I will attempt right. to wake up every morning and think, how can I serve you? That's good. How can I make your day better? Mm-hmm. And I think just that mind shift of when you wake up and think, you know, can I bring them coffee and set it next to their bed, you know? do, we'll talk about love languages at a later episode, but you know, how can I love them and their love languages better? But when you're asking yourself those things and it shifts your mindset from what can I get out of it to what can I give, Mm -hmm. that changes everything. It does. And you know, I just want to encourage the men that might be listening to this and, and tell you, I, I don't think in America in general and in our Western culture that that men understand the power that they have. And I don't mean power in like a power hungry way. I mean, the ability that you have to transform your marriage with the smallest of words and the, the, the tiniest shift in your thinking. Yeah. When you can really say, I do want to lay my life down for this woman, the way that that changes everything, it, just try it. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much safety and comfort that brings. And going back to what Brian said, of course, this all sits under the fact that we live in a simple world and we are imperfect people and that's okay. And that is why when we talk about covenant, we also, and I mentioned this earlier, your covenant relationship still is going to require confrontation and forgiveness yeah. because you're both going to mess up. Yep. But now you have decided and laid down the boundary lines to say, no, we're in a covenant relationship and I am here with you. It's very much like a team. Sometimes we're going to win. Sometimes we're going to lose, but we're a team and therefore we stick together. We're always going to take it on together. Right. We're battling this together. So maybe that's your sin. Maybe that's my sin. Maybe that's we're, you know, as we grow and as you become more like Christ, things begin to work themselves out. But we also we're accountable to each other. Right. Even in our covenant. Right. Yeah. And you're willing to offer unearned yes. forgiveness. Yes. In everything. That's, that's key. Yeah. That's key. None of us deserve forgiveness all the time. Yeah. But when you're willing to offer it to your spouse and say, hey, you know, Allison said earlier, one of the one of the things we say is when you do this, it makes me feel like this. And it's just a it's a less confrontational way instead of saying, you know, you did this and you did this. It's mm-hmm. it's less confrontational. But when you say that, it's important that we understand the way, you know, if I'm doing something that's making her feel a certain way, I don't want her to feel that way. And I don't want to do those things. So when she says that, but then she says, but I forgive you for it. Like, I know that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. And I know you don't want me to feel that way. So I forgive you. Mm -hmm. I didn't earn that forgiveness. I didn't do something immediately after most of the time. I didn't do something immediately after to ask for that forgiveness. So she's offering that forgiveness unconditionally. And when you start to do that and you both practice that Mm -hmm. with 
also the mindset of this is not a contract. This is a covenant. We're in this forever. Your marriage will start to change in ways that you never understood were possible. Yeah. It really is like opening a brand new world when you start to sit under this covenant relationship and marriage as opposed to this contract that we've kind of been sold. That's right. So I I just want to thank you guys for joining us today. I know this is a really big topic and there's a lot of levels and layers to it. So this I'm sure will not be the last time we talk about covenant or what that looks like. And actually we're going to talk in our coming episodes about two things that we think really just kind of overlay on top of this conversation. We're going to talk about love languages in a coming episode. We're also going to talk about love and respect, which we're going to dive back into Ephesians 5 and really kind of do some digging there and tell a bit of our story, something that really made a huge shift in our marriage. Uh, So hopefully that will bless you. But thank you for joining us. We can't wait to see you on future episodes of the Dream Marriage Podcast. Till then, we'll see you then. See you guys.